0: When you're in play, when you are following the crumbs of your curiosity, and when you are allowing your brain to do what your brain does best, which is be you, that's where joy lives. That's where your secret source is. Welcome to the Liminal Zone Alchemist, the podcast for when you're stuck between the patterns of your past and the pull of your purpose. I'm your host, Sally Hardy, and each week I'll be challenging your understanding of what it is to be a human in the modern world. I'll help you free your innate genius from the socialized shadows, reconnect with your inner knowing, and lean into that pool, letting your purpose guide and support you with ease to the impact that only you can make in the world. Okay, get comfy, set your brain to curious, and let's get on with the episode. Hello, my lovely little bundle of fun. I have got a concept for you today that I would love to share, and it comes because, well, frankly, I've had a slippy little relationship with schedules, with diaries, with, with time in general. I tend to slip <laughs> in and out of what most people find to be quite a linear thing. And so I have simply had to find different ways of managing the balance that time given to things provides me with in my life an understanding of time allocation that isn't based on quantitative actions, but has more of a qualitative definition, one that works in a way that still allows me to be human in a world full of other humans and be respectful of other people and their time, of mutual appointments, of project deadlines, communication around these things, all the stuff. That is to say, When I used to look at my diary, I knew the things, I knew the what's of what I was doing, but I had no real idea, no perception of what those things represented to me, of the consequences of them in how I was feeling about my life. I came up with a concept that I think of as the three C's for a balanced life. And it really helps me to see where my balance may be dipping, which means the overall quality of my life may be dipping. And it also shows me why. You can use this concept in relationship to a a small thing, a small amount of time, small unit of time, or a large unit of time. It could be one evening or it could be a whole year. You can use it if you would like to look back And sort of assess, assess is probably too strong a word, but sort of have a look, understand why you are where you are, maybe why you're feeling how you're feeling. And you can also look to the future with it and you can use it as like a framework, a plan for things that may be coming up. It's totally not a strict schedule. That sort of thing just has never worked for me. So this is more like one of my clients would call it a gesture drawing a framework to see if the stool that you're sitting on is balanced or maybe if one of the legs is a different length to the other. And it's simple because I like simple things. (laughs) And it's effective because I like efficient things. I, you know, not having a great grip on time, I certainly don't want to spend it on doing something that isn't fun or that doesn't work or that takes forever. So the three C's. The three C's, you see what I did earlier on? I was talking about a stool, with different leg. It's three-legged stool. Anyhow, these three C's, I'd love you to picture them in a triangle. And they are consumption, cross-pollination, and creation. Well, actually, technically, there are five C's, but two of them don't fit on the triangle. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not supposed to fit on the triangle. They're, I'll get to them later. But for now, three C's. The first one, consumption. So... This is literally where I look at my physical and my mental intakes and I know what the results of those intakes are by how I'm feeling. So there are two places that I look at to see what I'm intaking. There are my outer circle and my inner circle. My outer circle is my intake from life. That could be curated or it could be a bit messy. It could be Um, your Instagram feed. It could be the people that you spend time with, the places you go, the activities, the things that you do. It could be the words that I'm hearing. It's literally what I consume in my body and my mind from the outside world. And I think about what's the feeling of all of this information that I'm digesting? How do I feel while I digest it? What's like the net result of this consumption? Some of those places I may be feeling shame for being me. Maybe the words, the environment do not support me and who I am. And some of the places I may feel very welcome, very supported. What am I paying attention to? What am I consuming intentionally? And crucially, what am I doing when I'm not paying attention? Or another way of thinking about that is like, what do I consume unintentionally? So, Am I just picking up Netflix and watching something without intention? And is that a plus for me in my life or is that not a plus for me in my life? And I get to figure that out from how I feel having digested. So that's the outer circle, but there's also an inner circle. How do I talk to myself? What are the words that I digest, that I offer myself, that I consume from me? What stories do I repeat about myself? all these things. This is consumption too. Who do I let in my mind? Now, for all the coaches out there, there is, a, for, for everybody, Like even with this podcast, I am in your mind. Do I take care of who I let in my mind? Do I take care of who coaches me? Whose advice I take? Whose opinions I take on board? Who lives in my head from my life? And do i want their advice are they qualified to offer it to me whom have i elected in fact one of my lovely friends sarah tasker offered me a number of years ago this beautiful concept of the board of directors that you have in your head this board of consult who have you got from your life that you have elected to a position of authority in your mind it could be an old school bully it could be somebody who said something appalling to you online all of these people they're unqualified that we would never actually ask those people in real life for advice on how we should treat ourselves, how we should think about ourselves, what should we do in the world, what we should do in the world. I'm getting overly excited now, And yet oftentimes their voices, the, the echoes of them live in our mind. And Sarah introduced me to this concept of the board of directors and specifically the fact that I could sack them all. And I love that. And I love to offer that with a nod to her, to you today. You get to sack everybody whose opinion does not support you. And you get to elect or promote or engage the services of people, objects, things, mythical creatures that do support you. So I say things and objects and animals because I have my dog on my board of directors. She absolutely adores me, unconditionally loves me. And there is literally nothing I have to do for that. I am me in existence and she cannot get enough of me. So whatever I do, I know that I have her total adoration. Of course, she's going to be on my board of directors. Also on my board of directors, I have an old Norse God. I mean, you can, you can have whoever you want there, whoever you think is going to give you sage counsel, promote a new board of directors to your inner circle because you're going to be consuming advice. You're going to be consuming the thoughts that you think about yourself. So you get to make a choice about who offers you those thoughts and you get to make a choice about who lives in your head. So you've got your outer circle, the outside world that you consume. You have your inner circle, your inner world. You may have internalized from the outside world, but actually you have a lot of control over. And then I want to talk about cross-pollination. That's the second of the C's that I'm gonna discuss. Cross-pollination is a rather beautiful thing that bodies do on their own, brains do on their own. But they need, cross-pollination requires something from us to allow it to do its job. And that's play, rest, recovery, imagination, time, Spent doing something that you love other than your main focus. So, for example, I cannot get enough of coaching. I love it. I face plant into it. But what that can do is it can give me quite narrow focus. So, I consume information purely from the coaching world. But when I move off and I cross pollinate, so I go and I I whittle wood, I make spoons. When I go off and I make spoons, my, my brain is consumed with the, the, the facets of, my brain is consumed, so when I get there, that wasn't intentional. My brain is absorbed with carving facets. Things occur to me, or if I'm out and I'm walking the dog and I'm looking at the leaves and I'm looking at seasons, things occur to me that I can bring in to my main focus. I can bring into coaching. One of the reasons that cross-pollination happens so frequently when we're, I like to call that play, when we're playing, is because of this like portal ability of play where the stakes are low. The stakes are low when I'm out for a walk. My brain doesn't, isn't charged with doing anything. It's free to roam. It's free to go into the old filing cabinets at the back of my mind and find little bits of information that I've squirreled away from just observing the world. It's free to go into that filing cabinet of the multiple disciplines that I've studied in my life. And it just follows the fun. It follows the little crumbs of its curiosity and off it wanders. Idea babies come when we are cross-pollinating. Genuinely, some of my most curious sparks have come when I'm focused on something that is totally fun, not related to work, where I'm intentionally focusing elsewhere. Like I said, the stakes are low. There's a lot of imagination. I can role play, if you like. I can imagine being a different kind of a person, doing a different, what if I was a, a woodworker? What if that was my life? Ooh. That mental rest away from the thing that it is that you love gives it space to breathe, gives it space to co-create on its own terms with the other things that are in your brain, the other little synapses and neurons. It's really rather wonderful. How does this get interrupted? Three ways. The first way that we don't allow ourselves to cross-pollinate is because we've been told that we're flaky. If we go off and we do something else, no, 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 you have to stick at this one thing, always do this one thing. You don't get to be curious about other things. I personally feel quite strongly about this because I have had a very varied working life and I've studied a huge amount of things. I was told frequently that I was flaky because I couldn't stick at something. And actually, I'd rather think of it in terms of realizing capital. I stuck at something in little speech marks for as long as it was genuinely interesting to me. And frankly, if something's not interesting, it begins to feel like I've got fire ants inside me and I'm sitting on razor blades. I cannot stay doing something I find uninteresting. I simply cannot, so I would move off and I would go. And that has actually served me rather well because I was it physically distressed me to do something that I didn't want to do. It allowed me, if you like, in my mind, the ability to go and do something else. And I was called flaky. Of course, now I realize that the capital that was built up in those interests was realized when I moved to the next one, when I cross-pollinated with the next subject, with the next working environment. The chances are, you dear lovely, lovely listener, have zero problem working to find a solution to something or to stick at something. That you can do that. When I say no problem, I don't mean that it's easy for you to do. I mean that socially you have been trained to do that. But doubling down to get your results if you don't want to be doing what you're doing or you're so tightly focused on something to the exclusion of the rest of your life isn't always the answer. Different perspectives, different spaces, allow your brain to breathe and give awesome power and creativity. This is why diversity in groups is so important. People who have different experiences, different central nervous systems, different brains, different cultures, equal a more humanitarian, no. humanity in a totally different way with whatever that group is meeting on. The greater the diversity, the greater the ideation, the greater the cross-pollination and the idea babies, which is a beautiful thing. This also leads me on to the the second reason why we don't cross-pollinate. And that is, as I alluded to before, we get so enthusiastic about whatever it is that we're doing that we face plant into it and our focus tightens. We choose to not do other things because we so enjoy the thing that we're doing now it sounds a little kind of a little odd to say move away from the thing that you're really enjoying doing and i don't mean that for a second but if you think about it like a relationship if you spend your entire time licking your lover then probably you know there's going to be a bit of tension in that relationship if you are solely focused on staring into the eyeballs of the person that you're destined to be with for the rest of your life You're not going to be able to have the freedom and flexibility to develop a relationship of interdependence. And that's key because in interdependence, we're neither independent nor codependent. Interdependence allows for each to be whole, separately, and come together for fun. Again, this is cross-pollination. You and someone else. Your main thing of focus, the thing that you're totally obsessed with, and something different. I'm not forcing you out of the thing that you love. I'm saying there are lots of things in the world where we can experience diversity that will increase our creativity, that will increase our imagination, that are fun, where we can play, but feel like rest to us. So where's your diversity? Have you got any? It's Just good to think about, right? The third reason that cross-pollination often doesn't happen is that we don't feel that we have permission to rest, relax, or play. Just have fun and enjoy ourselves. And I'll give you an example of this. Let's say you're sitting on a sofa and reading a book, or staring at a wall, or scratching your bum, or whatever it is that you like to do, and you're resting. I want to ask you if it is easier for you to do that while you're on your own or while someone is in the room tidying up around you, maybe clearing up the house, maybe getting a few things organized, someone else being busy. Very often, we rest when we are on our own exclusively. And we don't rest when we're in company because we don't feel that we have permission to. We don't feel that we are allowed to be still while somebody else is active. This is a pure product of the cultural, social world that we live in. We aren't allowed to do this in culture. We must be productive. So we think it's wrong to rest. We think it's wrong to play. If you're not a child, you don't get to play. Perhaps you could, if this is the case for you, reclassify in a sort of a stepping stone way, you could reclassify rest as productive. Like you are rest aim, it is intentional. And you may just find, which I have found to be true, that resting is one of the most productive things you can do because it allows this cross-pollination. And the more cross-pollination I allow, more rest, the more fun, more ease I have in the third C, which is creation, because effective original thinking requires cross pollination of the things that you are consuming from the world with the unness of you your thoughts, your synapses, your neurons, your central nervous system that has been born with epigenetic predispositions, that has learned through your lived experience, your mind and your body that has absorbed the culture that you have grown up in. Nobody else is you. So as soon as you consume something and you allow it to cross-pollinate with the you of you, it becomes original. It cannot be anything other than that. But while cross-pollination and consumption, curated consumption, may give you the creation spark, it is in the creation section of life, classification of time, that you get to choose your outcomes. You get to choose if you want to share whatever it is that you create. Is it for you? Is it for others? What is so curious about this? Something that I found personally, and I see within my clients as well, is that the more you allow for awareness and attention in consumption, and the more space you allow for fun, rest, play, curiosity in cross-pollination, the more you create. It's like a wonderful digestive byproduct. And here's the secret, because this part, this creation part, whatever you choose to do with it, actually holds the cure for scarcity. Ta-da! Yes, you're welcome. By that, I mean exactly what I've just said. The more you consume in an intentional way and the more you allow space and rest and recovery, the more you create, the more you create, the more you want to share because you understand that this process is limitless. You can literally create as much as you wish. You are a creation vessel for want of a better expression. When it comes to deciding on whether you want to keep something for you, or whether you would like to give it to the world, there is no value hierarchy there. It doesn't make something more valuable because you share it. Or it doesn't make it less valuable because you don't, not at all. Creation can be wholly internal. It could be a new way of thinking, a new way of being, new habits. It could be joy seeking, finding a way to find joy. It could be in being a role model for all of these things to other people. It's not only, creation isn't only valued in the creation of a product. That's pure industrialism at play there. Your creativity is valued firstly in your recognition of the fact that you are creative because 100% you are. I have yet to meet a human who is not creative. And it's valued in your choice to value it. And here's a little note on sharing. If you decide that you would love to share whatever it is that you create with other people, don't feel that you have to do that straight away. You get to protect your seedling until it is resilient to other people. That's not hiding. Never, ever hide it. It is the equivalent of going into the sun and putting sun cream on. Protection. Being aware of the world, and particularly if whatever you create is new or different, being aware that other people may not recognize it, may not understand it, may trample on it. Allow yourself the space for your creativity to grow in resilience before you share it. That's just you know a little something that I would like to pass on to you. So consumption, cross-pollination and creation. There are three ways of seeing qualities in your time use. They can help you see how and why you may be out of balance if you are prioritizing one over the other, or if you are valuing one over the other. All three together as a system in balance are life. But I hear you cry. I live in the real world with other people and commitments. Ah, thank you very much. Imagine a person speaking off screen, (laughs) because that's the fourth C, commitments. Things in time that hold an agreement, a contract with other people, meetings, deadlines, uh, requirements of a role, commitments are not in the triangle because they are an impactor on the triangle. They're an impact on those three qualities. following ways. Firstly, if what you have committed to in your life, if the contracts you have agreed to in your life are in line with your values, you may find that you're already including those commitments in one or two or all three of your three C's. They could be any part of them. So your commitments to others could be in consumption, could be in cross-pollination, if you're playing basketball and that's a totally different thing, your commitment to basketball. It could be in creation, it could be in partnership with somebody else, or it could be to create a product for someone else. But, <laughs> it's always a but, right? If you are not wanting to fulfill your commitments, then somewhere, somehow, you're out of whack, you're out of alignment. And they will impact, they will pinch at your balance. They will pinch at one of the three legs of your stool. Or you could look at it a different way. If you are feeling unbalanced in one of those three areas or just generally in life, look to see where you have committed to something that doesn't feel aligned to you. It doesn't feel good to you. Something that is impacting the quality of your balance in life. How do you know if you have a commitment that you don't want to keep, or if it's out of alignment, is that they will be, they will become obligations. You will feel resentment. You'll feel anger, you'll feel irritation, you will avoid them, you will, they're so, now listen, Sometimes this is due to external factors, like there are people involved who weren't involved to begin with, situations have changed, yada, 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 all these things. There's no problem with a commitment being something that you no longer want to keep. And it's really good to be clear on that. Because it brings me to the final C, which is what to do when you find these out of whack commitments. And that is coppicing. (laughs) Every once in a while, it's an ancient woodland practice of sustainability. Every once in a while, old growth, old trees, old wood, mature growth, mature trees, mature wood, gets pruned to make way for new growth. It's really important for you to know, know, actually know that in life, you do not have to do anything. just gonna let that sink for a second because I know there's there's a whole bunch of you that are gonna totally disagree with me. But while you may have social training at the yin yang to say that you do have to do lots of things, (laughs) You really don't. You don't have to do anything. You might choose to because you don't want the consequences of not doing. Like, you might choose to pay your taxes because you don't want to go to jail. Or you might choose to go grocery shopping because you want to have food in the house. But it is incredibly healthy for you to be clear that even these are actually choices. And choices you get to change your mind on, which comes back to these pinchy, bringing us out of balance commitments. Revisit them. Are they in line with your values? What encouraged you to agree to them in the first place? And has that changed? Has the situation itself changed? What are your options here? And pay attention to which of the seas, whether it's in the, what you're consuming, whether it's in cross-pollination or whether it's in creation, which of the seas are these commitments that are out of whack with you, that have become obligations, which of the seas are they unbalancing? Which are they eating into? And this is really good to know, because it is quite likely that that is the area in which your boundaries may be least strong. You may be saying yes to things that you wanna say no to. You may not be being clear about your boundaries in that space. Scope creep may be happening. You say one thing, somebody else means something else, and la la la, things change. It's really good to know. 100% you get to recommit to the commitments that you wish to. You get to make that decision again, now. Like renewing your vows with a commitment. And 100% you get to find a different way of thinking about that commitment so that you can re-engage with it. And you also get to prune the commitments that you aren't in line with. You get to coppice those commitments. What's going to grow in that space? Maybe you might want to plant something totally new there. How do you know what you want to plant in that space? Go all the way back to your cross-pollination. What lights you up? There's always, that's always, I promise you, always going to be the place where you find your joy and your secret source When you're in play, when you are following the crumbs of your curiosity and when you are allowing your brain to do what your brain does best, which is be you. That's where joy lives. That's where your secret source is. So there you have it. The three C's, well, the five C's, but the three C's to a balanced understanding of time that applies to everything from one day with your family to one year in your business. Don't think that you have to apply this concept or these concepts, if you want to split them, linearly, like exactly the same amount of time for each I will have one hour doing this, and one hour doing this, and one hour doing this. Because some of what I describe will be weighted for you in a totally different concentration that's entirely dependent on you, entirely dependent on your intention. One intentional cross-pollination unit of time is worth 10 disjointed, unintentional, distracted, whatever's of time. The more out of alignment it is, the more one commitment could have a deeply imbalancing impact on your life. And one morning of creation could feel equal in quantity to 10 of consumption. So take this framework. Consumption, cross-pollination, creation. Where are you spending most time? Is that where you want to spend it? Is that what feels balanced to you? Where are your commitments pinching you off from your values? Can you find a way to recommit? Or is a bit of coppicing in order? I trust you to take these concepts and pull them apart, tease them out, find what works best for you and tweak them to see how they can benefit you in your life and your concept of balance. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope very much that you did, don't forget to hit subscribe so all future episodes get automatically downloaded to your listening platform. And come hang out with me over on Instagram. My handle is at Sally Hardy underscore coach.